Stephanie Francis. And I'm Lenny Kluge. We're two immigrants living in Chile, talking about Chilean news, cultural events, travel, business, and more. If you want to support our podcast, check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash the Chile Today podcast. That's one word, www.patreon.com slash the Chile Today podcast. looking at a picture of my dad with his granddaughter are we supposed to be my... recording a podcast right now hey, yeah well i don't care next to <laughs> next to my my brother-in-law you heard it here first so audience cute. he doesn't so care okay, me, let me see let me see give me the phone let no, me okay see. here here well, let me say i'm glad this is a visual medium so <laughs> everybody can see what we're seeing i'm just glad i'm recording yeah okay that is that is cute i mean, sure it's, it's a kid it's my in a person it's my family Oh, Fine. so something family has cute. Yeah. Anyway, how have yeah. you been, Lenny? Hi, <laughs> I've been good. How you've been? Yeah, it was a rough week for me, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, just a lot of things you going on. Share? Nah, not really. Okay, fine. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was you know one of those weeks, lots of stuff to do, lots of stuff going on. But uh, I'm good. I'm ready to start my new week optimistically with all of you listeners. And but your week was fine. Yeah, my week was very rather uneventful. Rather uneventful. Yeah, like you know, business been. Tanking. No, not tanking, but like... You mean your soda business? Yeah, it's just like really not that much more to sell. We're still waiting for the new shipment to, to arrive. Yeah, just and like just, twiddling your oh, thumbs God in the meantime. Yeah, I hate this. I hate this, really. I need something to do. So, thank God I'm here. Yeah, you have the podcast. Because <laughs> I'm going to talk about trains, for people, long, whether you like it or not. For a long time. We're not even doing news today. So, if yeah. you came here for news, check out our last podcast because it was just about news. Yeah. Um, so, so much news piling yeah, up for the next started, time. I think we have to adopt oh a new gosh, form. Oh my gosh, do another news <laughs> episode next. It's just, there's a lot going on with the Constitution. We are going to cover the Constitution, so keep your ears perked up. Yes, sir. Your eyes out um, for when our, we post our episode about the, the Constitutional Convention. They have, they have um, deleted some, not deleted, oh, no, but like just, they consolidated yeah, some redacted. of the things yeah. so it doesn't bother you as much. How many do we have now? 257? <laughs> It's like, like 300, that. yeah, 300 something, something, 50, yeah, some yeah, around that. I think they, they cut out like 100, 40, 150. Yeah, a few of them. Not cut them out, but like said, consolidated. Yeah, like, like human rights? No, Screw take that. Take it out. We don't need it. <laughs> but we'll keep you updated on that. So in the meantime, uh, make sure you are, if you're interested, joining us on our Patreon. Um, because on the Patreon, you can have a lot of different benefits depending on your kind of desires at our five dollar level you can get um tips travel tips which could be like different restaurants or it could be like how to actually tip in chile or uh different aspects i don't know what else how to take Uh, about you know things to talk about at the dinner table yeah don't talk about this avoid these conversations the cultural things uh some of our favorite brunch spots so all of those tips are there also um discount event tickets free beer at some events uh lots of different cool things going on five dollar level ten dollar level you get some free merch and um access to our discord we talk to other people who and us directly about whatever you want to talk to us about eager and waiting for your eager and waiting so consider uh, and it, joining yeah. us on Patreon. And if you come to a Chistoras event and you want to cash in your free beer, just come talk to us. Yeah, come Or to talk any to of us. the Chistoras, because free. that free beer is not going to serve itself. Yeah, <laughs> you got to let, you gotta let a person know. Depends on the event. Some events you get free beer, some events you get, like, 
like not free money, but like discounts <laughs> that you can then buy a free beer, right? Where are my dollar Patreon, bills? Really, Patreon pays for itself, so get on there, support us, also help us buy more equipment. But anyway, so moving on. Speaking of um, things you can get discounts on, these following things are events that you could um, potentially get discounts on or free stuff. Yes, sir. Like starting with a horrible movie night, horrible movie night, which you will not get a discount on because it's for free anyway. It's free, but you will get a free beer if you're a patron. True that, true that. Just, you know, come talk to us if you want the beer. It's on uh, June 16th mm-hmm. at the Black Rock Pub. This week. So this week, actually, yes, this week. Mm-hmm. Next week is of this recording, but yes, that kind of threw me a curveball there for a second. Yeah. The next one would be what? Um. Well, I just wanted to say real oh, quick, okay, for sorry. the horrible movie night, we're watching Mystery Men. And it's one of my favorite movies to hate and also love. So if you like that movie or if you just want to like hang out, meet new people, laugh and something really casual where you don't have to be center of attention or anything. Like um, if you're more introverted mm. or something, it's a really good way to just like put your toes in the water. That's what of, I'm for. Yeah. Put your toes the in the water of, of a little bit of things going on. Um, oh, but OK. So here we go. Next event is the pub quiz, which is the 18th. Correct. Um, like we've said, you guys get the first news of the pub quiz. It sells out really quickly. So if you're interested, make a reservation through us or through the Chistolas. If you're a patron, you get a discount on that. You can have a team of up to four people. There's rounds in English and Spanish. It's super fun, super accessible, no matter what your language level. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. So we have more info on that on our Instagram or the Instagram of the Chistolas. Yes. Reserve your table now. Reserve your table now. Message us, email us, or the message or email the Chistolas because that stuff sells out fast. But they, there are still tables available at this moment. All right. And then a little bit further down the road, we got another show coming up on July 2nd. Comedy show. Comedy show, yes. I'm going to be performing in this one. You are. I know it's been a while. It's like been since before the pandemic. Yeah, that I've been able to perform. Yeah, since before the pandemic. Oh, shit. Yeah, look at me. Yeah, I'm looking at you. Literally, Literally I'm looking looking at at you. I'm looking at you right Uh, now. Yeah, so I'm going to be telling uh, stand-up jokes in in English, and then other people are going to be doing them in Spanish. Are you performing? No, not this time. I actually performed last time. Okay, cool. So, uh, yeah, that's going to – when is that? That will be on (laughs) – yeah, you should know if you perform yet. It's on July 2nd. This time we're going to do it at the Black Rock Pub because we like to switch up venues once in a while. So – this month is oh, going to yeah. be Everything we've mentioned Black so Rock far Pub has been at over. the Black Rock yeah. Pub. And if you're a patron, you get a discount for your entry. That is correct. For Actually, you get free entry. <laughs> so not a discount. You get free entry to that event if you are a patron. And you can come see me. And I think Diego or Pinguino also is going to be performing. So this is going to be fun. Yeah. Well, I might fun hang time. out. Yeah. Hang out. Bebop around. Yeah. Bother people. Stand in the way. Yeah. I'm All that pretty stuff. good at that. Yeah. And then our last event, which is not our event at all, but we wanted to mention it for whoever is here, is there's a Pride March. <laughs> Talking about cultural appropriation. Right. This is our event. This is not our event. <laughs> this is everyone event who is wanting to celebrate Pride. And that is on the 25th of June because it is Pride Month. And if you want to go to that, um, you can show up at Bakidano Metro Station at 2 p.m. And that's when it starts, of course. That's not like you have to be there exactly at two. Before you can be before or after because it's you know it's a celebration. Yeah. It's a march. So do that. Bring your friends. Have a great time if you're celebrating who you are. Yeah, and no discounts there, unfortunately, for our patrons. No, we have no the say patrons in this. don't get anything. I wish I uh, now that I'm thinking about, it, I'm like maybe we could have given them a free flag, but like it's too late. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, sorry. But uh, 
But we hope uh, you can come to some of those events. And if you do, definitely say hi to us. And now it's train time. Trains, trains, trains. Man, this has been a long time coming. Oh, man. I'm super excited that we waited a little bit to do trains or like this part of trains because we did the historical part of trains. So if you want to go back and listen to that, the context of what we're talking about, the history, go back. That was a couple yeah. episodes ago. That was part one. Because so much train information has come out since yeah, we this recorded is, that first episode. Exactly. This is why I'm not all that thrilled because like a lot of the information that I prepared like a month ago is now a bit now like... Now expired. Yeah. Like I try to just like tweak it here and there and update these things. But uh, as, far, as far as I, you know... As, well as I can, but, you know, there are certain things that might not be up to date anymore. A lot of things have happened. Mm-hmm. But since we're recording on daytime now. Oh, yeah. It has been. It's a it's, weird time. It's First a weird of all, time. I'm it's, awake. It's, I'm more sleepy. See, I'm not a daytime person. If yeah. you notice, I have coffee. It's like two something beer. in the <laughs> afternoon. I have coffee. Like, it's five in the morning. <laughs> and, like, I'm a very weird, like. Circadian rhythm. I have none. You're like um, an owl for reals yeah uh, my neck even goes all the way around um oh that would be proud because lao and owls and chuncho. okay what was he saying stop distracting me this is a podcast we're professionals yeah. oh so many so much exciting news coming out about trains i'm excited you should be excited trains are a big deal i'm Chile off my right rocker now. just yeah old man off his rocker Ooh, damn back. okay so get us started <laughs> yeah i'll get us started so you remember last time we talked about trains, we were starting off with the history of trains. Mm-hmm. You started with the history of trains, and I think then I gave a little overview of the current situation, mm-hmm. what kind of projects Timeline are like, yeah, what kind uh-huh. of projects are in the pipeline right now, and I think we kind of cut it there mm-hmm. because it was getting really long already. We'll get ready for another <laughs> long episode. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> so, uh, what we're going to do today is we are, this is basically. Two parts, which hopefully we can fit into one episode. <laughs> We're going to talk about a little bit, why do we need a train? Like, mm-hmm. what are the reasons for? Because it's not as simple as just like, well, you know, we need a... Choo-choo. Choo-choo, Choo-choo you know, why would we not need a train? I mean, there are several reasons that are worth mentioning. And also, what are the challenges? Because, you know, if we really need a train that badly, why hasn't it happened yet? And there are a bunch of reasons this hasn't happened yet. Just one bunch. Mm-hmm. One bunch. No two bunches. Just one bunch. Mm-hmm. So... Let's get started. Why do we need a train now? Welcome to my TED Talk. One th- <laughs> welcome to my TED Talk. One thing has to do with the infrastructure or alleviating the infrastructure. Like because implementing a more widespread railroad system, and especially for cargo trains, you know, that would take a lot of traffic off the streets and right. relieve the strain on them. So basically less taxpayer money is spent on their maintenance. Right. Which then of course will go towards train infrastructure. I gotta say that too. But and- yeah. You know, streets will be... Mm. And as a reminder, <laughs> if you're forgetting a little bit about what we talked about, some of the reasons we don't have trains is because during the dictatorship, there was a big push to sort of give support to the truckers, which if you've ever listened to this podcast, we talk about the truckers almost every we, we single... We love truckers. Those trucker <laughs> motherfuckers. Yeah, we love them. Mother okay. truckers. So, you know, if you've ever listened to this podcast, you know they have a lot of power and a lot of pull politically. And so trains sort of disappeared because of lack of support from the dictatorship, a lack of um, infrastructural support, lack of money, all those kind of things. So just repeating, reiterating what we talked about last time and continue. Trucks and trains, right on. So, yeah, taking off strain of the infrastructure, that same, by the way, goes for airports because, Mm -hmm. you know, not 
airports are not going to become redundant, but a lot of uh, cargo is going to be routed through trains instead of planes. So this is going to take some stress off the airports That's as true. well. So to exemplify a little bit of math, because I know you love that, a double track railroad trench with a width of 25 meters. Okay, what is this? A double track railroad trench. So basically you have a railroad trench and you have basically two tracks in there. So you're talking about train tracks. Yes. Remember to try to use words that I can understand. I'm Talk talking like about you're talking double track to a railroad trench. Right. I mean, the trench, because usually there are little tracks are in a little no, trench. No, no, no. I get, I get what you're saying. There I just want to I just so, want to make sure I understand and exactly. all of the audience members who are on my level. So, <laughs> so imagine two railroad tracks side by side. Right. One going one direction, one going the other. Exactly. And these two railroad tracks side by side, this trench has a width of 25 meters. Uh -huh. It has a capacity of 12 trains per hour with nice. uh, 666 passengers each. And I can see why the Catholic Church might have an issue with that, which is fine. <laughs> I'm not making these numbers up. I, I read this somewhere. So that would make, I'm do the math for you, that would make a total of 8,000 passengers per hour and direction. You know, so you have, That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it sounds awesome. It sounds awesome. Now, awesome. Now, in comparison, it is awesome, too, because in comparison, like a six-lane highway with a width of 75 meters would allow for a throughput of 4,500 cars per hour with an average of 1.7 passengers on board, making it a total of 7,650 passengers. Now, compare that to the 8,000. And also traffic and, exactly. and so crashes. And that means trains use less than a third of the same space that be needed to move the same number of people by car. You know, and also I really wish that Carretera Austral had six lanes. I don't know where they pulled that yeah, example like, out. Trust me, I was like, where is the six lane <laughs> yeah, highway? Like I've where? Like I've never the, seen any I've of those. I've been going here. on the wrong. Yeah, because it's two lanes. Right, but the more reason, you know. Exactly. Like, yeah. To to be to be clear, we don't have that here, so it even compounds how good a train would yeah, be. Yeah, I mean, like Carretera Austral is just like ridiculous because it's just like one lane each direction. And I mean, compared to all the other Latin American countries, we have the best highways. Like yeah, that is. Far, but it's not it can't keep up with the amount of of movement that those highways have yeah, i mean in at some point you have just like one lane each direction it's just like really how's that working i mean you might as well walk at some point <laughs> yeah well, why not so so much for passenger trains now in terms of infrastructure where we talk about cargo trains like there are about six thousand trucks coming in and out of seaports in the fifth region by paris and so on now, a railway system could alleviate that could alleviate the congestion by up to thirty percent, actually. Like, so we wouldn't Damn. rely that much on trucks anymore. So that is a huge strain on yeah. the infrastructure that trains would basically alleviate. Right. Second point. Let's talk a little bit about efficiency. According to the OECD data, the cost of local logistics in export-oriented countries is around nine percent the value of the product. In Chile, it's more than double and growing, actually. Right. So trains are, of course, much more energy efficient than vehicles or even planes. Right. And this will, in consequence, drastically reduce the cost per unit of cargo as compared to other means of transport. Like, you, you know what I'm saying, right? Right, right, right. So, so yeah, basically like a product piece of unit of whatever, like a soda, it's uh, close <laughs> to home, has like its own cost. And then, of course, you the need to factor in the cost for transport. And if you do it by train, like this whole thing on average will, you the know, actual the whole product cost of itself, right. that item will just be become a lot cheaper. Now, for passenger trains, that's a very different story. I'm going to talk about that a little later. We are more expensive to transport. Yeah. Yeah. 
actually. I'm going to get into the nitty-gritty there a little further on. Another, I mean, because yeah. it puts the burden of the cost of the transportation on the actual train, right? Rather than, like, the person who had to buy the car and buy the gas, right? You mean when it comes to cargo? Right. Uh, yeah, and also you can just ship a lot more with a train. I mean, you have one train, you have, I don't know how many carts or uh, wagons, if you will, like, on the train, which mm-hmm. you can just fill up with, I don't know, copper ore. Right. And then, you know, the... Basically, the oh, the, so you're talking about cargo train versus passenger train, as far as like no, no, no. I'm talking about cargo train versus vehicle and cargo vehicle, if you will. Okay, and you're gonna get more into that because I'm a little confused. I'm gonna no, okay, sorry. In, a, in a little bit longer. I'm okay. gonna talk a little bit about the situation with the passenger train. It's a little bit different there because basically, well, in a nutshell, you cannot stack passengers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. If we could stack passengers, I think things Staying would look a little that. bit differently. But yeah, yeah. So, Staying oh no, away I, from oh that. my god, no, I didn't even. Okay, keep uh, turning, turning, keep keep, keep going, keep going. Okay, yes, yes. Not talking about history. All right, so let's talk a little bit about time savings here. Mm -hmm. Because for passenger trains, in many situations, comfortable passenger trains. Comfortable. Okay, there you go. No stack passengers whatsoever. Like in many situations, the train can cut down on travel time significantly, you know, and sometimes sure, it will even cut the time in half because you don't have to deal with traffic jams. And, you know, anybody who's ever taken the metro in Santiago drive. knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, you don't have to drive. You can like read a book or like play yep. on Instagram or Exactly. Whatever, and they shop. go faster. They go faster too than most. Oh, they could go faster than most cars. And we're currently. talking about electrical trains. Let's let's be clear. We're not talking about like choo-choo, coal-coal. Yeah. I mean, but even if we talk about diesel fuel trains, they still go can go faster than most no, cars. I, yes. You know. Yes. But I was specifically when you were talking about the environmental impact kind of situation. I was like, we're not, we're oh, yeah, not, yeah, we're not burning coal here that's to, a different thing. to right. choo-choo it. Right. Down the, and everybody from Europe's like, of course not, Bethany, duh. And I'm like, look. The U.S. is still reliant I'm, on lots of coal trains, so I'm, yeah, but I think, and the but I think a coal lot train. of trains here are still diesel operated. That's what I'm trying to yeah. say, but like we're talking about future trains in Chile are not going to be right. Those, yes, right. Yes, sir. This electric, uh, electric or hydrogen, even yeah, that's yeah. a different thing. Steam, steam, <laughs> steampunk power, hamster powered, just by a million little hamsters. <laughs> You so have to yeah. clean them out for dying for no particular reason. <laughs> well, just sudden death. Yeah, they're just, they're, you know, disposable, disposable hamsters. No, we don't think that. We no, love no, hamsters. hamsters are cute. So so what I was saying is that they can go faster. They don't have to deal with traffic jams. So that this will not only improve the quality of life for a lot of people who would then take the train instead of hopping to the car. It would also benefit the economy if you look at it from that angle because um, people come to work not as late. Mm-hmm. They take less time to get to work, which means that they either have more time to work or more time to spend with the family, however the priorities are. Yeah, Yeah, because there are a lot, a lot of people who work in Santiago, but they live in Viña or Mm. Quillota or, I don't know, Limachi or whatever, and they drive every morning and every afternoon to those places. And it's it's a lot of burden on those those families just because Santiago is so freaking expensive to live in. It's yeah. even cheaper for yeah. them to do that commute. And every month more expensive. Every month. Not New York expensive, but we Getting were just there. looking at those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully not, but yeah. Okay, since you were mentioning coal trains, the coal train. Right. Uh, let's talk about Put the, the music environmental. In the background. <laughs> what, uh, John? John Coltrane. John Coltrane, of course. Let's talk about a little bit about the environmental impact of trains, because, you know, if Chile wants to become carbon neutral, uh, trains are a no brainer. Like there mm-hmm. ha- it has to be it's it's 
it's got to be inevitable, you know, because a train load of cargo is equivalent to about 60 trucks, while a train's emissions are about a fourth of the equivalent number of trucks. Right. Yeah. So there, you know, that, that that's something you know now, and this is and really a good argument. You cannot unknow it, and this is a good argument for trains. In terms of passenger trains, like this is even more pronounced. Now, taking high-speed trains as an example for mid- and long-distance travels, these trains generate five to seven times fewer CO2 emissions than their, their alternatives. Mm -hmm. Compared to air traffic, there's even a reduction of up to 90% in emissions. Mm -hmm. Like if you travel the same distance with a train instead of a plane, you're only making 10% of the emissions that you would that's usually amazing. make. Yeah, and that's, that's a lot. And that's super important because a lot of people um, fly here in Chile. So if you're not driving, a lot of people fly. Like if you have a house in La Serena or Concepcion or like whatever, people yeah. fly a lot, especially because if you participated in, in Cyber Monday or whatever, you look at those plane tickets, they're so cheap. Yeah. And so people fly a lot here in Chile because it takes a long time to drive it's and there's not country. a really and there's not a lot of people that have cars whose cars are yeah. insanely expensive it's a long country right yeah, long um country, yeah. it's a long country it's not a big country it's a long country yeah and i mean you could take a bus which some people do but buses again um are you know subject to the ebbs and flows of traffic and also pollution and also take really long i mean and not comfortable really yeah i mean it depends if you Kama, semi kama. I mean, yeah. when, I, when I was in my 20s, I did uh, book a bus to San Pedro de Kama. That was like 30 hours. Like, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> I mean, I would. That, I don't think I would ever do that. Not even when I was in my it 20s. It was an experience, but yeah. <laughs> I remember it. My butt was flat after that, so yeah. I don't mind taking buses to like Vina or whatever, but like that's about, that's, you know. I mean, anyway, I would rather take a train, so I'm trying to say. Yeah, train. High-speed train. Now, also since Chile strives to become a leading producer in green hydrogen in the near future, this is also like it has tremendous potential to be applied in the sector as the concept of hydrogen-powered trains already exist. I don't know if these hydrogen-powered trains do already exist as such, you know what I mean? But like the concept is out there. Right. It's doable. So if Chile really does its thing with the green hydrogen, one uh, sector where they might apply this are... Trains, cargo and passion. But are trains. the private companies that already are in bids to um, put their trains up? Are they thinking in terms of hydrogen, or are they thinking? No, this is this is future. This is because oh, I mean, this is future trains future, that we future haven't. Train, yeah, okay. because I mean, like we're not even producing enough green hydrogen no. like we would have i mean th that's th what i was think, like not yet no 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 i mean that was one of the long-term plans i think pinera came up with that and he was like we need to be the world's leading producer of green hydrogen which kind of like, makes sense because sure. like dude like we got solar energy we got a lot of water i mean duh you know but this needs to the infrastructure needs to be there first in order to yeah i mean i'd to like to trains. also be the leading producer of hot dogs but you know we have to have the infrastructure too to do that <laughs> i would love to be the leading producer <laughs> of hot dogs <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's that's not you know to I say. Mean, you know. I know what you mean. All right. So if they really applied this on uh, like green hydrogen trains, that would mean literally zero carbon emission for its operation, as the waste product of uh, hydrogen trains is just water. That that's all that comes out the other end, the, the tailpipe. But is it uh, water that can be used for other things, yeah, or is it like wasted water? No, no, it's not wasted water. It's it's clean H two. Like with no nice. minerals, no nothing. I mean, it could be used to iron your shirts because it doesn't leave mineral residue. <laughs> you know? I definitely never iron my clothes, but okay. Good lord, you barbarian! So, no, in Can you just um, call me a Bobbarian. A Bobbarian. Bobbarian. <laughs> 
Now, in fact, the promise of a railroad system running on mostly green hydrogen could give that sector a tremendous push in development. You know what I mean? Like the so, hydrogen, clean yeah, hydrogen sector. Because if they say, okay, look, we have a whole railroad system here and we can use hydrogen powered trains. How's the hydrogen production coming along? And people might be like, mm, okay, maybe we just, maybe the political will behind that will be pushing this whole thing a little I mean, bit it more. It depends. If it's too good, then pe then the, the the other the other industries, the other industries are not going to like that a lot. The dairy so, I mean, industry. The dairy, the other industry, <laughs> the ubre industry is not going to like that a lot. Um, I mean, all of these things are, of course, political. Yeah, of course. I mean, it really depends on future governments if they are as green as the, the current one. But I guess mm -hmm. at some point, that's just a, I mean... Personal it, it, opinion, at some point, like future governments don't idea. really have a, a choice. choice to be green or not because we're inching closer to the abyss every day. We're mm -hmm. all fucked people. You already know that. Though it is a beautiful day outside. It's the middle of June. We should be freezing our tits off. And it's a gorgeous day outside. Hooray for global warming. Hooray. <laughs> I mean, let's, I mean, I'm good with saving the earth after my wedding. So I'm not freezing my tits off during my wedding next year. Um, but then we can save the world after that. Sure. No problem. Okay. Apocalypse later. All right. So Apocalypse now. talking about energy, we also should, should talk about energy autonomy because having a train network running exclusively on green hydrogen and given that the train traffic will substitute the road traffic in large parts, it will make Chile a lot more independent from oil imports, which as we see these days can be absolutely good. critical because, right. you know, Ukraine war and things getting more expensive, you want to be independent when it comes to your energy supply right because we're not talking about the oil we cook with which is also a concern for imports these days just to clarify yeah that's the different thing it's a lot of oil is a, problem a lot of these oil days. oil Very lots of different problems. types of oil right let's talk about decentralization a little bit this is i think this is a big one because this like, is so important yep. to chile because we have a, a big problem here hold on, hold on let me you're just, still going right i just, never stopped uh, that okay. good advice so okay, a, yeah now talking about decentralization a decent railway infrastructure could also tremendously contribute to the development of can suburbs can you explain a little bit about the importance of decentralization in chile sure if you want to i mean the right now chile is an extremely centralized state like everything right. that happens happens in santiago mm -hmm. like you want to be somebody santiago you want to find a good job Santiago. You want to go anywhere in Chile? You got to go through. How Santiago. much percentage of our population lives here? It's like, like uh, hold on. It's I think in the in the um, central uh, or in the metropolitan in the fifth region. More than sixty percent. Yeah. Also more than almost seventy percent of the gross domestic product is being. Yeah. So you get an idea. It's like in terms. I don't even know how much percent in terms of area this is mm -hmm. compared to all of Chile, but it's not big. Right, and it that also contributes to. Um, the growth in the prices of property here oh, yeah. and the competition here and then was also a huge transportation issue because everybody lives in one part of the city and everybody works in another part of the city yes so it's it's um, a really big deal they've been we have been as a as chile when i mean we have 28%. been 78 percent says pinguino is of the what of the population of the population lives in santiago or the fifth region that's insane. Yeah, let's put the two together, right? Because that sounds a little Not too much. Seventy-eight percent. That sounds a little too much to me. No, I heard eighty. So what? Mm-hmm. This is according to the 2017 census. That sounds so it might be even a bit higher. 
Or it might be lower because of the pandemic. Oh, that's true. Well, anyway. Anyway, a lot. A lot of people. And so it's actually been, like, a project for a long time to try to, like, get people to move the F out of Santiago and work in other places, which the pandemic has helped yeah. along a little bit. I'm not – I would love to see the numbers of how many people moved out of Santiago to live in other places. Yeah. But, you know, there's a big there's a big obstacle there, which is the infrastructure also. Because oh. yeah, you want to move to, well, Limache, <laughs> who yeah, just yeah, got yeah. recently, as you, as you got cables. told that they just got cables. You want to live somewhere else. You want to telework. You got to have proper internet, you uh -huh, know. Uh -huh. And this is where this whole thing is going with the trains, because a decent railway infrastructure could really contribute to the development of, of the suburbs or uh -huh. even rural regions as it makes commuting or even just traveling to the big population centers. A lot more feasible while at the same time people don't have to pay the same level of rent as they would in Santiago exactly. in Concepcion. Now, speaking of Concepcion, by the way, just a little update here from the last train episode. Uh, Boric actually made good on his promise to include the Concepcion in the Santiago Chian service, train service. Great. And that was announced about two weeks ago. And yeah, like right after we recorded. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and orders for uh, high velocity trains were placed to operate this route in 2023. So this part, uh, this is the part of the so this is part of the so-called plan desarrollo ferroviario 2022-2026 or railroad development plan 2022-2026 which also includes uh, Santiago Valparaiso and Santiago San Antonio. Oh, that's going to be <clears throat> amazing. Yep. So um, if you want to go to Chien, you can also go to Concepcion from there. No. And Concepcion, I think, is the second largest city in yes, Chile. So that's one of the cities that they've been really trying to push industries uh, to put their business centers there to open offices and everything because it has at least enough infrastructure right now to have more people living in it, yeah. but not a lot of like – um, jobs to for those people yeah. so and costs are comparatively exactly lower. so if they can make these transportation situations better it gives more of an incentive because there's already tax incentives for businesses to open mm. their offices and other parts of chile and then it, it all gets it's all gonna you, you see what i'm saying it's getting no, easier. i see what it's you're getting, saying i mean you, you know, see what i'm you see what i'm saying which makes no sense if you think about it's it a, you see what i'm saying that's an oxymoron look at that moron look at that. you know what go fuck yourself Fine, okay I will. okay <laughs> i love you so yeah i love you too so um speaking of the decentralization right so basically life will become a lot more attractive in those places and they mm -hmm. will attract urban developments if it's easier for people just to commute to places like i don't know like rural places right. let's say Temuco. i don't want to bash on Temuco, but hey Temuco. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or talca i was if just you will. talking to somebody yesterday about how yeah. hard it is to get the lampa like there are actually yeah. things it's in close. lampa it's Quite it's close, really close, but, but the actual to road there. to get to Lampa like goes out of the way because again we do have mountains, right? So you have to go out of the way like around a mountain of him and him and him and him. Because I have a friend who like has an office in Lampa for some reason, oh, and um, he has to go there like once a week, and it's just like a pain in the butt. But imagine like if things were easier to get to. Yeah, some it's these just places. like every time I apply for jobs, I go like, "Can you come to our office in Lampa or Colina?" And I'm just like. Mm. I mean, if I don't Thanks. have to ever work there, then sure. Yeah. I'll go over there for an interview, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But if I never have to but go back to Lampa, yeah, then no I'll kidding. be okay. No kidding. So, yeah. So, basically, as I said, life would become a lot more attractive for people there. It would spur urban development. But also the same goes for business development in the right, regions like other saying. than the Region Metropolitana, which then would have an impact on local tax revenue, which in turn will further development of that region and so on and so forth. So, you get a whole economic uh, kickstart out of this whole thing. 
And also politically, it's very relevant as it will improve the link between the regional capitals and their relationships, you know? Right. Now, okay, you got to also consider, okay, you got the chicken and the egg problem there. Okay, what comes first? Like, uh, are you do you need the train to spur the development or, or do you need, do you the, need the, the development first to make the train worth it to go there? But you got to start somewhere. You right, know? exactly. You have to start somewhere because we've been like, we as in Chile have been sort of jerking off with this decentralization idea for so many years. It's like, we got to do something. The ta obviously, the tax breaks that y'all are giving these businesses are not incentive enough for these businesses to put their offices in other places. Mm. You got you to gotta work harder. <laughs> you got to do something. So yeah. there's that. Yeah, that's the thing, because you just don't have the externalities. There, and imagine, you know? imagine, so this is just me, like, thinking as an educator. So we have... Anybody who wants to be anybody in this country goes to, like, one of, like, three universities. Like, one is in Valparaiso, and two of them are in Santiago. Imagine if you could have more infrastructure, you know, more businesses. You could also have more opportunity for more universities to improve, to get better teachers, get better, you know, funding, and just have a more diverse workforce right because yeah. now we have the exact same four teachers that have taught every single worker in, <laughs> every single worker that's getting jobs in chile i don't know this is me just thinking as an yeah. educator no but you know i mean the, the, there's a there's a point to be made here also about a little bit more specializations of the cities because yeah. i mean of course people like businesses don't want to go to let's say concepcion i mean uh, probably there are a couple of businesses there of course right. but like of course you want to you always prefer santiago because this is where you got like the spillover effects is where the competition is where all the university graduates are where you right. get a bigger pool of everything like all yeah. the infrastructure now with a better connection between these cities like you can make the case that maybe concepcion is going to be like you know what we're going to really try to push the development of i don't know let's say the the um car industry if chile had any <laughs> it's a bad we example don't make cars. but whatever I, I wouldn't drive a car that chile made <laughs> <laughs> oh boy i wouldn't yeah i know and there's a reason that chile doesn't make cars anymore or Argentina. Okay, let's say let's say the fi let's say financial services. Like Concepcion could maybe say, okay, yeah. let's gonna focus on financial services, and then Concepcion could be like the city where people go to study finance and management. Sure, where like, all the companies are exactly. You know, or I, I just think, or for example, Vina is a huge like Vina Valparaiso region. Valparaiso region in general has so much infrastructure, so many empty apartment buildings, mm. just so many. But no jobs. So many people hate Santiago, and they're from Vina. They're like, I hate Santiago, but I live here because this is where the jobs are. Because you have to get, like, if you want to work in Vina, you have to get, like, up, 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 up on the ladder. So people come here to university, they graduate here, they work for 20 years, and then they finally get to move back to Vina. Mm. And so it's like, imagine if those jobs are already in Vina, then I wouldn't have to deal with people from Vina. <laughs> that's the only reason we need a train to Vina. <laughs> and, I, and I can joke about that because my fiancé is from Vina. <laughs> <laughs> you got the permit there, okay. Yeah, I get the permission. All right, let's talk about briefly about social justice. How about that? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, with a railroad connection, I think also many so socioeconomically vulnerable localities would have an easier access to Absolutely. better infrastructure, like mm -hmm. hospitals, commerce, they schools, have to buy whatever, a car and better paying jobs too, yep. you know? So, schools, that's a that's huge a thing, thing because 
obviously I don't have to convince anybody probably listening to this podcast that education is the backbone of how you to you can escape poverty but because of the way that Chile is so centralized if you're poor and you live in a poor sector your children are going to go to a very poor quality school because right now with the current constitution they don't offer quality education hmm. that's not something that's under it's a right it's, for it's people not a thing. it's not a thing it's like you have the opportunity to go to a school and the school is completely underfunded, and it's mostly filled. The classrooms have 50, I'm not joking, 50 students to a class. You know, you're, but let's say you can now take a train 25 minutes to another school, and now you have a completely different opportunity for your child. Yeah. Right? Um, because you could never afford a car before or anything like that. So that and also school buses aren't a thing here. That's also not a thing. Free transportation to school, nope. not a nope. thing. So you're going to go to the place that's the easiest school to get to right. if you don't have another choice. And you're also not bound by locality when it comes to your job, you know. You right. could actually apply to a job that would normally be out of reach for you, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of distance. You're going like, okay, now you can apply to the job that maybe pays better, mm -hmm. you know. That's that's the thing. So I think it's a huge step forward in terms of social justice. And quality of life for yeah. people from lower socioeconomic levels because I've talked to so many people who are like, oh, yeah, I my commute's two hours from, I don't know, um, Puente Alto because I have to take two buses and a train to get to where I'm working near Metro Manquehue, yeah. and I get paid really well, but I have to commute that time. Yes. And, like, for example, um, nanas and janitors and all of these type of people, they have these insane commutes because mm. they work for rich people. Right. And they don't make a lot of money, and they have these insane commutes, so their quality of life will increase so much more, yeah. and they'll actually get to, you know, have some time to enjoy their lives, yeah, I mean, which I is a, so important. I had coworkers from San Bernardo, they had to get up every day at five. Yeah, to be I in mean, the I've, by nine. I mean, I used to commute like really early in the morning to Lorenachea from the center, oh. and that's only about an hour, hour fifteen in a bus. But Without I, traffic. but every single person on that bus with me were like nanas and construction workers who had already been on the bus probably 30 minutes by the time I got yep. on there. And they're going, they're getting off like, like in Lovanachea in the richest neighborhood. And then they're going to do the exact same commute going back home. And they were on that bus before I was and I got on at 6.15 in the morning. So yeah. Not fun. Not fun. Not fun at all. No. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, definitely. The, the, there's a lot of lot of benefits in that area as well yep absolutely let's talk about job creation do it because this whole thing if we're gonna do trains seriously if we're gonna do serious train thing <laughs> okay i know where your mind went but no <laughs> if we're gonna do if we're gonna take trains seriously if we're really gonna like ramp up the infrastructure like these large-scale projects of revitalizing the Chilean railroad promises thousands of new jobs in the process, you know? Right. And not only during the construction process, but also beyond that, like chiefly in the service sector. Like somebody yeah. has to, if you have more train stations, you got to have people working there, yep. you know, and so, uh, people who maintain the system and so on and so forth. Now, one could actually make the argument that this is a zero-sum game because um, especially if it's not accompanied by economic growth, you know, because like I've heard it a couple can, of times. I can see that. People were a couple of times, oh, you know, we're going to train and the economy is going to grow so much. So there's going to be more work. It's like, yeah, but you're making a big assumption here that like train equals economic growth, which I don't think is that easy, you know. But, no. you know, if it really follows that route, yes. And also you got to see if you, if we have a, widespread train infrastructure here that creates new jobs of course there are going to be other jobs that are going to be cannibalized by this whole thing right but it depends you know? on what jobs you're cannibalizing because again what is it 
It's a I, again, I do not remember numbers, but it is a I would say at least 70% of workers in Chile are independent workers without contracts. That mm -hmm. means without a minimum wage guarantee. They're, they're you know, um, selling vegetables or they're entrepreneurs and they, like, I don't know, they, they, they don't have any formal formal jobs or protections under, you know, uh, an automatic AFP or, which, of course, that's changing, or insurance. But if they could go from selling vegetables in La Vega to working full-time at a train station... Mm -hmm. They could have some of those protections, but maybe there's no, um, maybe there are literally no jobs in Lampa right now for mm -hmm. them to work at. But then suddenly a train station opens right. and they can sell, they can sell their vegetables at a formal little mini market in the train station in yeah. Lampa. And or the state cashes in because they'd be paying taxes, you know. Yeah, exactly. And so I understand what you're saying. Like I'm not saying that trains are going to make the economy grow. Yeah. I could see how trains. Maybe. I mean, I could see how trains are benefit very much the state. Maybe not the economy, but the state, which can then boost the the uh, wealth of the people, which can then buy products, which it's I mean, like we, we, again, I mean, what just, comes first, the chicken or the egg? Sort of right. Situation. I mean, I'll, but also I just talked about this before when it comes to efficiency. You know, uh -huh. like this whole thing. Okay, yes, it does benefit the economy because it lowers transportation costs when it comes to cargo. You know, right. That, but I wouldn't go so far to say, okay, this is oh, going to be a driver be rich, right? of economic growth all by it's itself. A you know? in, 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 a, in a micro level, it contributes to like the macro economy. If we have everything like this sort of working out with their, you know, we oiling the pistons a bit, it's going to exactly. make things it's make it more efficient. So exactly. then, yeah, of course, you know. Yeah, exactly. And I also, I'm very interested because the majority of my students work in the in, in energy industry. And so all of these projects like trains or like any any way that Chile beca can become more self-efficient when it comes to transportation mm -hmm. is always going to be good for Chile. Yeah. Because like you said, the dependence we have on oil from other countries or we're insanely dependent on gas from other countries. And so the more and more we can get independent on our own sort of transportation our – all the vehicles come from other countries. Yeah. We're cutting down on the amount of gas. We're cutting down on the amount of vehicles. It is going to help Chile. Right. So, and the average person. So, anyway, I'm excited about it. I want to drive a train. Let's get a train now. Choo -choo. I want it. Choo -choo. All right. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about your pet peeve because uh, I know that's your, because uh, another reason why we need a train is to break the monopoly of the truck drivers. Yeah. You know, because not only are trucks the only means of getting goods to most parts of the country, they also have the power to completely paralyze traffic along the Carretera Austral. As we've actually seen, like last month, you know, they I mean, just absolutely all the, all the time. They just absolutely block this whole thing, and this is, and I mean, you've you've said that before, like, and I agree with you that yes, of course, every work group of workers has their right to go on strike. Absolutely, but some have more power than others, right? And it can't be that they can basically, for all intents and purposes, cut off an entire part of the country from all kinds of supplies. Yeah, and some like, like life-saving kind of supplies. Yeah. Like, dude, you're if you're cutting off stuff that hospitals need, if you're cutting off, I don't know, baby formula, you know what? And again, you have the right to protest. I don't ever want to be the kind of person that says there's a right way and a wrong way to protest. I'm not. I'm not that kind of person. There's a reason we're getting <laughs> a this. There is a reason we're getting a constitution, but there's just truck drivers have. Um, a level of power that is uh, quite fascinating. Let's say we go a lot it's a into these. It's disproportionate. It's a bit, again, and it has been handed to them by the dictatorship, yeah. literally. So um, 
if you want to get more into details about that, we do have trucker episodes, and it affects disproportionately also the indigenous community, the way that mm. they're protesting. And, you know, I don't have to agree with all the protests, right? As, as somebody who believes in protests, that doesn't mean I yeah. agree with, you know, storming the Capitol building because you're a fascist, right? So I don't have to agree with those things, and uh, I don't agree with the things that the, that the truckers are doing. They have a right to do it, yeah, but also we also have a right to be like, oh, let's build a train so they can stop being assholes. Exactly, and there needs to be, like, an, an alternative, like... And I think this applies to all sectors. Like, okay, if one group decides, okay, we're going on strike because we don't like conditions X, Y, Z, whether sure. it's justified or not, you can say, okay, that's fair, but we do need to ensure that at least the bare minimum of whatever service you provide is being provided to the people who need it. You know, so there's right. always, needs, the there always needs to be a way around it. Right. It's the government's responsibility, one, to try to bridge the gap between like people, workers who feel like they're not getting what they need. And then also still taking care of the population in the meantime. Exactly. Um, and as we talked about in our trucker episode that you can go listen to, the government, especially the Borch government right now, is trying to have conversations with the the truck drivers, but some of them just aren't having it. Mm. And what else can you do after that? Now yeah. at this point, they're just being assholes. Right. And right now, like we can't have that. So basically, no. what that's another reason you that can't we have need supplies cut off in the middle of a fucking pandemic from right. hospitals. I mean, the, the, like it just can't happen. And, and look, like even if we have like a wide spanning tra train infrastructure, the trucks are not going to be disappear. The trucks are going to be no, there. Gonna we're not saying no from, more trucks. No, no, no. Of course not. But it's like it's it's something that runs in parallel. And if they decide to strike, then we can still say okay. Maybe we're not going to be able to deliver as many meds to Puerto Mont or whatever Concepcion as they need right now, but at least it's the bare minimum so right. people don't die. Right, and then die. we can shift. We can <laughs> say like, okay, let's start shifting these meds from the truckers to the to the trains, or we can say like, let's prioritize like essential supplies and mm -hmm. put them on trains, yeah. while things that are non-essential supplies we can put on trucks. Yeah. Like it's we the can workaround that we need. For exactly. That and the truckers still have power. Like we're not going to start ignoring them or we shouldn't. Like I'll say that even if I don't agree with them, we should not ignore the truckers and what they no. need. They have a right to say what they need, but there needs to be a balance and it's the government's responsibility to protect the citizens, all of them, not just the truckers, you know, not just the people that they agree with politically. So, yeah. um, Yeah. That's, yeah. what, that's what I gotta say. There you go. Awesome, perfect. He, he told you it was my pet peeves. So I was gonna get on my little soapbox. <laughs> um, but more information about truckers, check out our trucker episode. You should check it out. Okay, last point I have. Good reason for trains is uh, well, better than nothing. It's a low accident rate. I mean, people forget about that. Yeah. But the accident rate of trains is way lower than those of vehicles. Even though there was a very gruesome train okay, accident in Germany a few like a week ago or but something, but I mean, it's like but planes. Like everybody's it's like, planes exactly. are gonna crash, and it's like, dude, it's the safest way to travel. Though, it, yep. are trains safer than? Yes. Are trains safer than planes? Really? I, I do not know, but I know that according to stats, the number of victims due to train accidents is eighty-five times lower than those of car accidents. I mean, that so, just makes sense. You know. <laughs> so those were the reasons we should have a train. In, well, not only my opinion, a lot of opinions that I've came across. Let's talk a little bit about the challenges about creating a wide-spanning train Sure, because there's network. obviously going to be... We're, like, talking it up, and then we can't not talk about yeah. the challenges that come with it. Right. And I think one of the biggest challenges is the infrastructure, per se. Sure. No, because large parts of the country's existing infrastructure is in a severe state of disrepair. I think we already already mentioned that in the first episode. And it really needs to be overhauled, especially considering cargo trains. Now, that is because, A, 
rails need to be improved so that the average of 28 kilometers per hour, which is in av like, this is the, okay, let me say this again for effect. What's miles an hour 28? Oh, that's, that would be what, like 15 or something, I guess. 15 miles an hour? Yeah, something like no. that. No. No, no, yeah, yeah, I can Google it up. I'm Googling it. The the average, and I'm not saying it's it's the case everywhere, but what I've read is that the average speed that the trains can basically reach on the existing oh, yeah, network like yeah and the existing network is 28 kilometers per hour which is and that's why i said on the existing network yeah oh no, i was like wait the new trains are only going to no, go 20 no no no, okay, no, 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 okay. no on the existing because okay. it's oh yeah that's slow you know, 15 slow. miles an hour it's like uh, yeah yeah, yeah and that's what i was saying the other the other day that's like i i i bike I faster that. yeah exactly <laughs> i bike faster than that so they want to increase this to uh 70 kilometers per hour which is Still not that fast, to be honest. And we're talking about 70 what? kilometers per yeah, hour. Yeah, we're talking about what? Like f between 35 and 40 miles an hour, I'd say. But that's still, I mean, it's, faster, it's 43 it's, miles an hour. Yeah, and it's not, the, I mean, it's that's actually, about... it's pretty embarrassing if you think that, uh, think about some of the trains that were brought over from Germany in the 1940s that could reach up to 130 kilometers per hour. Yeah, Germans S like to go fast, 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 fast. Yeah, but in fast. the 1940s, I mean, come on, man. And usually trains I these mean... days can go really fast. So I don't know why they were limiting themselves. They all spread themselves. pretty fast throughout Europe in the 40s, let's just say. <laughs> oh, damn you. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't ask for permission. No, just do what you wanted to. Right. Another reason the infrastructure. Uh, say sorry, huh? not, not uh, permission. Yeah, it's better to apologize and ask permission. <laughs> not sorry. when it comes to Germany. Yeah, I'm not paying reparations. I mean, yeah. So, <laughs> another reason that the infrastructure needs to be overhauled is so that trains can be uh, longer than 550 meters. They aim to make them as long as uh, 1,200 1, meters. 1,200 1, meters, which, you know. Okay, you can transport more cargo, more passengers with one train. Apparently, the existing infrastructure, the rails, does not support that. Also, rails also need to be able to withstand greater weight so that the carriage can be double-stacked with cargo containers. You know? Okay, yeah. Another thing that needs to be taken into consideration here is also tunnels. The tunnels need to be higher. They cannot be low <laughs> because you cannot double-stack Right, them. You know, right. That's another thing. So weight and height. And also... Um, Intermodal transfer centers need to be overhauled so that the transfer of cargo from one train to the next or from train to truck is faster and more efficient. So those are all these things that need to be done before we can really talk seriously about uh, having a well-oiled train machine here in the country, you know? <laughs> also, it's important to mention that not, not all types of trains can make use of the same infrastructure. Hashtag not all trains. Not all trains. Hashtag not all trains. Like, for example, high-speed trains cannot use the same infrastructure as cargo trains. Like, you know, they need diff different kind of signaling. They need different kind of stations, ticketing. And, you know, it's all sure. a different kind of thing. So, therefore, it's not only the rails, but each element in the infrastructure needs to be geared towards the type of train it looks to accommodate to achieve maximum efficiency. Right. Yeah? But those kinds of things... Again, let's let's put it into perspective that it's not like we're we're inv inventing the wheel here. The train, yeah, the wheel. The, <laughs> inventing the train wheel. Uh, we can and should bring people over from other countries who have had similar problems, who have had to do similar types of infrastructure. Obviously, Chile is going to be very unique in certain aspects, but hopefully, um, a wise decision would be bringing over a lot of oh, consultants. Yeah, of course. Um, um, and all of those kinds of situations. Yeah, of course, of course. But, you know, like the point is that you can be like, oh my God, we're going to have 
Trains it's, in it's, seven it's, seconds. Yeah, it's it's not like okay, let's just plop down some rails and we're gonna you know plop. ferry like cargo and passengers or whatever. It's just not that easy, you know. It's like it's no. it's it's a lot of complex. Sure. And the reason that because that uh, because of the reason that uh, cargo and passenger trains, for example, or high speed trains and cargo trains cannot use the same infrastructure, is also the reason why the you can't stack people. the TVS because it can't stack people. That's what I mean theoretically, but I'm not gonna go there. This is also why the TVS, you know, the train Valparaiso Santiago project, uh -huh. is uh, proposing a cargo line in parallel to the high speed uh, passenger train line. So it's it's you see it's a, like they want to do the both things but in parallel. Right. So it's a different kind of rail that you need for that, apparently, you know, which, of course, means more cost. Um, and but you could even ask, is it always a good idea to have cargo lines running parallel to passenger lines? Because you can say, OK, fine, then let's just like do two or four tracks, like two for cargo, two, two for passengers and just run it throughout crisscross around the whole country. But uh, you could say that if they carry dangerous cargo through sure. tunnels, this might not be a good idea. Put for the example. dangerous cargo with the truckers. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Stack it on the people. <laughs> now, sometimes of like sometimes uh, some one two three. Some types of trains can be mixed using the same infrastructure. That is true, but there is always like the trade-off between cost and efficiency. Like for example, let's say you have an infrastructure that is made for mixed use, which will probably mean that high-speed trains couldn't really go as fast as they could go on a dedicated infrastructure and cargo trains couldn't really carry as much cargo that sure. they could on a dedicated infrastructure. So there's that, you know. But I mean, it, it just sounds more wise. It just it sounds more efficient and more wise to take the time to invest in an in infrastructure that works for both. I mean, that just just it's going to take time and money. And that's I think it really I, th I think you have to really differentiate here what kind of um, let's say lines and routes and areas you're talking about like for example if you have let's say um between santiago and um or the north and the ports for example just to scrap out of an example out of thin air it would make more sense to just really focus on cargo because you're going to have a lot more cargo going coming down here than passengers for example sure you know yeah, it, yeah okay you know or and then or but if you're talking about for example between santiago and concepcion maybe it would make more sense to focus on passenger trains but, there. but then you could just in, in in that case you could just decide how many trains you want to run because if you have the same line right and you've built an infrastructure the same line can do People trains and <laughs> people trains and product and trains. trains. <laughs> people trains and stuff trains. Then you can just decide on how many of those people trains and stuff trains you you have on that line per day. Okay, yeah, but then that's also a, there's also a limiting factor. There's like how many trains can you actually run per day? Like, is, is that feasible? Do you have can the station keep up with this demand? You know what I'm saying? It's no, just, no, no. I absolutely see. What I mean, you're it's saying. like you really have to consider. Okay. Are we but shifting? I would hope they would consider that. Like, yeah. this, these are things that I would obviously. I'm not smart enough to have thought of these things, but I would hope this would all have already been in the minds of whoever. Oh. What would be Minister of Transportation? Would yeah. that this falls yeah. under the Minister of Transportation? Yeah. That he would. That he. He yes he. Yeah, would be um, considering um, with his consultants, hopefully right. some from Chile and some oh, yeah. from other countries. I mean, right. I, assume that because <laughs> it's literally his job yeah i mean quite literally so, yeah. his job right another challenge that we're facing is uh vandalism <laughs> i mean i mean it is yeah. not the main thing but it's a thing 
because just in January this year, the just to give you an example, the touristic train line from Santiago to Concepcion was just reopening after 14 years. And then they had to postpone the inauguration because the theft of <laughs> copper cables along the line. <laughs> the AFA, Aww. they have not given an estimate, but it has been confirmed that they have confirmed that this has become a real pain in the ass during the last month, especially in the O'Higgins region. And I think we can also safely assume that uh, the expansion of the railroad network through the conflict region of Araucanía brings its own set of risks. Oh, sure. You know? Absolutely. Because that, that's, that's the thing with trains. I mean, you can say, okay, okay, trucks, what do they need? Streets. Right. Streets can be vandalized, but it's you know you have to hack away at the tarmac to really do some damage there. I mean, you, you can burn some you tires. You can barricades, whatever. But then you have a railway network, which is a lot more delicate. There are rails, there are signaling stations, there are uh, um, um, switch tracks, or how you call them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, how we, but I think they're called switch tracks. Yeah, I'm not a that. train expert. I'm not yeah. a track expert. You, you haven't ca caught up on Snowpiercer yet, have you? No. <laughs> Damn it. But it's like the infrastructure is a Marvel lot right more now. is a lot more delicate than streets, if you will. Oh, so, I mean that makes total sense. A lot more like they're a lot more able to manipulate. I mean, I've I seen got Westerns. Cables, you so just there. put a little piece of dynamite, like, <laughs> and then boom. Yep. And then boom. Well, you, you could know? do the same thing with streets, so. I don't think it would hurt the street, though. I mean, I don't know. Put some dynamite on street and I see don't what know. happens. <laughs> I've only seen cartoon versions of this in Back to nice. the Future. Okay, so um, no, that makes sense. There, there has to again be. Uh, would that be the the uh, job of the intendencia to like problem solve any sorts of um, potential vandalism in that case? I don't know, but yeah, that also to... has to be a consideration. And maybe it's good that those copper cables have been been stolen. As far as like, okay, so now we this is fiber putting... optics. <laughs> Uh, no. Now this is putting things in the forefront, and you know, uh, it is a stereotype. I'm just gonna say it. I didn't invent the stereotype. I'm just gonna say it. The Chileans like to steal things. It's a stereotype. Pinguino looks at me and nods. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> you know, let's uh, be aware of that. Let's just make them. Uh, you know, let's we'll figure it out. I'm not worried about it yeah. yet. Yeah, but as you say, like the job is probably to figure out and make the infrastructure vandalism-proof, quote-unquote, or yeah. maybe up security in certain critical spots. And I do think that as far as, like, in the majority of Chilean protesters go, like, you don't fuck with the things that belong to the workers or, like, the people. You'll fuck with things that belong to industries. But you're going to try to avoid fucking with things that affect poor people yeah, or... It's a big assumption, though. I mean, no, I mean, I you've just... seen burned out micros along the way, and that also yeah, but those are micros. How many? We have a micros. If you're gonna fucking shut down an entire train, no, no. But what I'm saying is just like you, people don't always draw this, make this differentiation. You know, mm. uh, that's the thing. I mean, it's a big assumption that you make there, but again, yeah, you we'll know, see. like making Maybe the it's just make, making the uh, infrastructure tamper proof or upping security, it's not an impossible feat. But again, it makes things more expensive, more complicated, and it's definitely a challenge. Yeah, you know? impossible uh, the feat. Yeah, not impossible, but and don't talk well, about my feet. Impossible feet. feet my feet have nothing toes. to do with it. Another challenge here it's like is foot. <laughs> another challenge here is uh, geography, of course. Oh yeah. Because it's funny because we were talking about this, and I wasn't really getting into, haven't really gotten to the topic yet. Because while at first glance, Chile might appear to have the perfect geography, geographic layout for train oh, no, network, we have, we have uh, it doesn't we have take mountains. into account. Yeah, it doesn't take into account. It's very mountainous country. And more so than most European countries, actually. And it has a lot of seismic activity yep. here, too. That is also a bing, bing, big bing, 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 bing. problem here because it makes the construction of a country spending network a lot more expensive. Yeah. You know, because it has to also, um, well, you know, cargo train networks, 
very much depend on geography because heavily loaded trains can't take a slope that is too steep and can't take curves that are too sharp. Mm -hmm. You got to drill holes through mountains. Exactly. You have to do yeah, alternative is boring tunnels, which boring is tunnels. So boring. which can become more than five times as expensive. You know. Sure. And you gotta get the right drills, as sometimes I've read so many times Chile has accidentally ordered the wrong drills before. Well, now they know the drill. Thank you. <laughs> nice. I'll be it's, here all week. <laughs> tip your waitress. It's a similar situation for high-speed trains, whose infrastructure is, of course, a lot more costly to begin with than for cargo trains because it's a lot more delicate. Uh, but they also have to be they also have to be on an almost straight trajectory, which makes sense if you think about it, it's high speed, so you don't have to, you can't have too many curves. And which would make, for example, a bullet train from Santiago to Puerto Montt very difficult to implement. Yeah. You know, because you just can't go straight. It's just like you have to, you know, dodge mountains. I mean, even if you've been, if even if you've like traveled from Santiago to Valpo, like you go through those tunnels, that is a giant hole in a mountain. Right. We have drilled a hole in a mountain to make that highway. Exactly. Again, not impossible, but... Just expensive, takes more time. Expensive. You have to make it earthquake-proof. Yeah, and all you have to make sure every single thing that you're doing with those tunnels is not going to, like, there's not going to collapse, that yeah, you that have the nice. right type of soil. It's very complicated. Yeah, it's a complicated thing. It's complicated. Now, also people talking about and you thought trains were going to be super simple when you tuned in you were just like slap some trains down well jokes on you now jokes on you <laughs> righto bido okay. i teased this earlier the profitability of passenger trains let's talk about that a little bit now first off there's no such thing as a profitable passenger train network yeah no. i was gonna say even the world's biggest passenger train networks in europe or japan are heavily subsidized by the state, making them more a product of political volition than economic incentive. And all these subsidies usually don't even cover half of the cost of a ticket. Probably the only exception is the bullet train between Shanghai and Beijing. But then again, these are state owned and from China. So I don't really trust those numbers. That's personal opinion, but I <laughs> trust them. Yeah, I don't know. When it comes to what, whatever comes out of Chinese state media, I'm taking it with a grain of salt. I mean, honestly, whatever comes out of most state media, I take with a grain of salt, yeah, to be fair. True that. Now, um, actually, a few, few weeks ago, one of our listeners, I think it was Diego. Hi, Diego. He's Which Diego? This Diego, Diego Pinguino? He's no, not a listener. No, no, no. Ace here. Diego Acevedo was his name. Okay. So, oh, yes. Yep. I remember this guy. Hey, no. Diego. Hey, Diego. No, Your favorite Diego now. He's <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I have to edit this. <laughs> See how far you get without me. <laughs> <laughs> it would just be like eight hours of rambling. Oh, good Lord. So um, Diego sent us an article about how the Metro Trenos and the Santiago Rancagua service had to actually increase its capacity to accommodate the rising demand and making a remark about the profitability of those services. Okay, he he might gonna stop being a listener now because I have to throw a winch, a wrench in that. A winch, you have a winch. To throw a winch. <laughs> this is damn winch. <laughs> God, um, don't throw me. Well, you know, I'm back in the Middle Ages. That's what I do. <laughs> throw so some winches in there. I'm gonna throw a winch in this because <laughs> Salem um, winch trials. Salem winch trials. <laughs> Salem wrench trials. Whatever. <laughs> so, because uh, one thing is the revenue, and you know these specific routes might look good on that front. I don't know, but you know. Uh, another thing is the profit, which means revenue minus costs. Now, since the EFA is a public company, I actually did have a look at the latest income statement and the bottom line is still red. So 
Now, granted, I wasn't able to find the numbers on those two services in particular, but you know, I could be wrong and possibly these two is taken by themselves actually generate more revenue than cost, but you gotta remember that it's one network of a public service and that the more profitable segments are needed to offset the unprofitable ones. So, hmm. okay, basically in a nutshell, okay, I'm glad that the Metro Trenos and the Santiago Rancagua line have so much demand, but they're still losing money at the end of the day. Because, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you need money to keep them operating. So right. that's the thing. So, talking about profitability, one other problem is that Chile has completely... Not everything's about profit, Lenny. Well, if you want to run something, well, <laughs> you know, added to that is that Chile has completely lost their train culture, quote unquote. Yeah. Now, traveling by train is mostly considered to be uh, the poor man's means of transportation, which is very well exemplified by the song uh, Tren al Sur. <laughs> Gotta listen to that. It's a good song, which is actually weird because... It's it, not the case in a lot of other countries. Yeah, and also it's not even the case here because it's actually a bit more expensive than going by bus. I did a quick check comparison. Like I compared Santiago Chillán by train and by bus and actually train is a bit more expensive. Not the same price. But. I mean, I think that comes from, again, the, the centralized way we think about trains, which is like related more to the metro and then having a car. Because like when you've made it in Chile, you can buy a car especially now with the cost of cars yeah, and if you don't use a car use a plane so it's just like yeah buses are not really Bus underrated buses anyway. and trains however i think that is changing we, we talked a little bit about it last train episode but i do think it's changing especially since again boric is now the president the culture of the people voting for boric which is like millennials gen z and then and then gen y are people who are starting to not be even able to afford cars. Yeah. And so it's very much like, okay, help us. And so the whole like association with p poor people are the ones who take the trains is much more of a boomer idea. Yeah. And, and it's also like, you know, t having owning a car used to be a lot more of a status symbol than it is today. Yeah, but well, because we can't own a car. So like you can be yeah. like, yeah, no, you can, I mean that you can too, be but somebody... even before that. Like even before oh, yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Like, like, yeah. I could own a car, but I don't. I have my Kia Morning or whatever. I don't need a freaking Mercedes. You know why? Right. <laughs> I mean, like but, even if you could afford it, it's like why? Well, I do think it's owning a car is definitely still a status symbol, but it's becoming less and less so because yeah, no, less I mean. and less. Yeah, less and less people can afford even to buy like a Kia Morning or a Sale or whatever mm. or is the most economical car. People, I just see sales all the time yeah. on the street, so that's why I said that. Um. So it's becoming less and less that. So I feel like once we have a train, if we have a train in 2026, that it will be people won't be unwilling. Like the majority of people won't mm -hmm. be unwilling to ride it. What are you laughing at I me just, for? I was just thinking because he's seeing a lot of sales on the street. This is because like the fuel has become so expensive. People are now putting sales on their cars. <laughs> Going. I'm glad you is, make yourself laugh. This is laugh. so bad. I'm I'm yeah, I, I, I think laugh. I think I am hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> So this, this uh, is what come my to mind our, does. Come, come to our bilingual comedy night this month since he's not performing. <laughs> <laughs> it's safe to go. Yeah, it's safe to go this month. Or it's if you just want to, if you really like watching really bad, really jerk. bad comedy. I'm just kidding. Jerk, jerk. Okay. So um, as I said, like as of today, traveling by train on some of the routes is actually a bit more expensive than going by bus. And, you know, that also piles on. I mean, if it's the same price or even more expensive and the connectivity sucks, like, why would I prefer the train over the bus? You know, that that's the thing. Right. That's one of the what's one of the reasons. And um, so with the fact that that affordable passenger fare 
doesn't cover uh, the fact that an affordable passenger fare doesn't cover the operational costs of a railroad network being true even in the most train right. enthusiastic countries i mean it's going to be especially hard for chile to break even right and, and i think that we need to make this distinction the difference between paying for costs and affordability are very different like not affordability uh profitability are very different like let's make that distinction being able to pay for the operational costs is one thing. Being able to say that we're making a profit is, is different. Okay, okay, yeah, I get you, but I think the argument still stands. Like, no, it, I'm not it saying doesn't, argument it doesn't, doesn't usually, stand. It doesn't. It's not even covering its own costs. Like, this is where I'm going. Right, know. but I think that we need to make the the okay, distinction fair. because I don't care if the train makes profit as long as the people are taken care of, and because I do think that, as we talked about earlier, there are other ways in which the state and the people can profit in maybe a non-monetary right. way or in a monetary way in a different I mean, way. Nice but if it doesn't if, cover the cost... Right. That's uh, the thing. And I mean, it would be even nice if the train network makes a profit because you have to use oh, that sure. money to just uh, make future investments into the infrastructure Absolutely. and so on and so forth, you know? And then, of course, that's complicated economics with like, oh, okay, maybe the train's not profitable, but we're being able to make a profit on taxes in a different area that we can then pump it to the train. And then, of course, I don't know because I'm not... Math. Yeah. I math. am not math. And again, what I was just saying, because I was like stumbling over my own words. Now, that's the thing. It's like you have, you look at countries, at countries like Europe, as if that was a country. Euro the country of Europe. <laughs> the country of Europe, where people, is a lot more, it's a lot more common to take, uh, for people to take trains. Sure. And if even there, where it's a lot more accepted to take a train, whatever income they have through ticket sales is not going to cover the cost of operation. Imagine how it's going to be here. Sure. Where people would have to be coaxed into taking the train in the first place. I would you know? take the shit out of a train mostly because yeah, I'm. I no no no. <laughs> I, I'm. I am saying me. This is also yeah. my. I'm a third of this podcast, so I'm gonna get <laughs> my opinion. You know, I would take the shit out of a train because I hate traveling to Vinian Vaporeso in that fucking traffic. Yeah. No. And I do yeah. not think I'm alone. I, I think really a lot. Hope, of, I hope that's the, the thing. I think a lot of people, at least again, not talking about the lower socioeconomic level of this, because I am very privileged in the way that, like, I feel like I land in the very small gap, which is middle class. Because this country mm. doesn't have much of a middle class. I think a lot of people in our level of that, like you and I, would be very open to taking the train. Oh yeah. To be like, heck yeah, one day trip to Valpo instead of being like, okay, we got to leave Valpo at this hour because that's when traffic hits, and then this, no, oh, yeah, not worth it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I get you. I get you. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. I hope most of the Chilean population will be too. That will be great. Now, I'm hoping that they're doing non, eh, non-fascist related surveys about this. Like again, <laughs> questionnaires. Like do some research. I want fascist related I mean, surveys. a lot of the survey places are owned by biased. Yeah, they're biased. Yep. I mean, again, I just want good research. Like, I don't want, I don't want Chile wasting their. I like the idea of a train, but I don't want Chile wasting their money on a train if it's going to hurt people, if it's going to backfire. I don't want that. Like, we could do something else with that money, like invested in yeah, another mean, branch of something. Can really see train hurting people, but maybe just don't plop down a train where it's not really the biggest. Don't use, tie you a know? damsel to a train. Don't throw a winch at it. Yes, do not throw wenches. <laughs> like, throw if winches there's one takeaway from this, epi from this podcast, episode, don't just, like, throw do not throw wenches at train. What are, what are male versions of winches? Winchos? Winchos. <laughs> that sounds like a me Mexican gangster. I don't know. How dare you? I, that's just, you know, how I roll. Anyway, mm -hmm. talking about incentive for passengers. Now, for passenger trains, studies have shown, actually, that the train is especially attractive for distances, be distances between 400 to 600 kilometers oh, wow, or okay. four hours of travel by train with a normal speed. We're not talking about... 
Are you okay? Yeah. Pinguino just looked up the male version of a winch. It's called a swain. A swain. According to Shakespeare, he invented... He, oh, he it invented, says, invented so many words. Of course, because he invented the word winch. Oh, he, it was him? Yeah, so he also has swain. Speaking of incentive for passengers, now this is actually interesting because from what I've read, for passenger trains, there are studies that have shown that the train is especially attractive for distances between 400 to 600 kilometers or four hours of travel for, you know, by train with a normal speed, not 30 kilometers an hour. And for lesser distances, you, people usually prefer the car because the time and money savings are not too significant and it gives them more flexibility. For longer distances, the plane becomes more attractive because the time spent at the airport is being more than made up by the short travel time. So also, since airline tickets have become a lot cheaper throughout the years, there is less and less of an economic incentive for passengers to make the switch if the time savings is not significant, you know. A bullet train might reduce travel time, but it can only be implemented on certain lines because of the country's geography, as we talked before. And since uh, those are more expensive, it would be hard to compete with the plane. Either way, there is agreement that the railway culture railway culture must be retaken and the train uh, must be able to position itself as a fast, efficient and alternative. Uh, nah, fast. Got it. Either way, the agreement is there's an agreement. For fuck's sake. Either way, there's agreement that the railway culture must be retaken and the train must be able to position itself as a fast, efficient and safe alternative. Now, actually, the AFA, they recently launched an app to make the services more accessible and attractive. That happened like a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. oh. For that to happen, for that to happen, meaning the taking, retaking the railway or the train culture, like a big part here play the points of access, the train stations themselves. Mm -hmm. The questions are, are they, easy, are they easy to get to? Is there affordable or even free parking? which is actually a concept that exists in a few cities in Germany. Okay. You know, we just go like, hey, take the train. You can, you know, park your park car here. here for free. Hooray, you know. That happened to me the time I for took a train in Ireland. All right. See, that's a, it's a good idea because it really draws people to the train, you know, uh, because parking is a big thing. Um, okay. So for existing train stations, um, would, be, would an, like for existing train station, would an increase in traffic collapse the local infrastructure? That, that's, the, that's the question. Like, are people comfortable with the location of the train station is another question. Like, the author of that article that I read, he made the case that it would be best to revamp Estación Central because it's, well, central, you know, because hence the name. Yeah. Personally, I think it's better, and that's just my very layman's opinion, but I think it's, it would be better if there's a new, bigger train station on the outskirts provided uh, a connection with the public transport because... I hate Estación Central. Because I mean, I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think a lot of people would feel comfortable going to Estación Central, and traffic is bad in that area to begin with, and it will probably collapse if train travel eventually picks up. Although, uh, you know, this would be higher immediate investment cost if they do a train station on the outskirts. Mm -hmm. But I don't think like Estación Central would be feasible for that. So here's the thing. Um, I've lived in many places in Santiago, um, the center, uh, Quinto Normal, many places. Uh, I don't feel comfortable walking to the yeah. bus station in Estacio Central um, at night by myself at all it's because it's Me not neither. in the it's not in the train station like in the metro station it's you have to get out of the metro station and walk like maybe five six blocks to get to the mm. the bus station so anytime i can 
I would even I even pay more sometimes for a bus ticket if it means that I can get off like at um, Los Dominicos Los Dominicos no the other one uh, Pajaritos okay. to take a bus from there because it immediately goes from the metro station mm-hmm. and it comes to the metro station that and I I just don't think it's a good if you're trying to appeal to all of Chileans especially the prejudiced upper crust mm-hmm. to take trains i don't think investing in this unless you're gonna like pull all the way up to the metro estacion central which i don't think you should do because that entire six blocks that you're walking are vendors so mm. then you would be displacing a lot of people who make their money right. off of selling things so i'm i do agree with you i you, i you agree displacing with you. people rents will probably also skyrocket in that in region yeah and also it's a very central part of town uh-huh. which would experience central, yeah, central. yeah yeah duh, you know and it would experience a very stark increase in traffic like yeah. the infrastructure will not be able to deal with that i, I mean think. i i agree with you like pajaritos is you know far out there which is where there's a, another bus station mm-hmm. i would much rather like say like why don't you invest towards there towards right. pajaritos and i also think like estacion central there's to be an argument, a case to be made for uh, cultural heritage, if you will. I mean, if you yeah. want to revamp oh, this whole oh, thing. Oh, yeah, exactly. No, there's to... a lot of cultural heritage there. So so I think you'd be better off just saying, okay, let's pick a barren field on the outskirts of Santiago, connect a metro line or two metro lines with this, because, you know, people got to get there also without cars, you know, yep. but just do something from scratch, modern, and, you know, play around. You have the space, do whatever we you need so to do. We have so much space. And you know, build the infrastructure so it doesn't collapse when all the people that you expect are coming are actually coming. So I th- personally, I think that would be a better idea. So that's the thing. Talking about another challenge, which would be population density, which is something that I really haven't thought about when I did this research, but I read a few articles who made a very compelling case because one of the key differences between Chile and most European countries is the population density that we have. In Europe, you have a lot of small to mid-sized towns, which themselves usually have a wide catchment area so that people... A what? A catchment area. So basically, it's just, um, for example, supermarkets think in these terms. Like, this is why you don't have two meters ah, right next to each other because one supermarket has a catchment Unless you're in area. the U.S. and you have a CVS and a Walgreens always across the street from each other. Well, but they were trying to just take away... No, it, was, it was a joke, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it makes sense in a way, you know, because they want to get get each other customers because people go there because they know there's going to be a pharmacy, you know. But the thing is... So, but yeah, supermarkets think in these terms and they have like this... Um, what's another way to call it? Like area of influence, if you will. So... um People that live in nearby villages of these small to mid-sized towns, they're actually drawn to the tra- train station in the nearest town. Now, Chile doesn't really have that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, in Chile, almost 50% uh, of its inhabitants, well, actually, you just said more than 70% of its inhabitants reside within the Región Metropolitana. And there are only very few densely populated areas outside of it, you know. But this- there are areas that become densely populated during certain times of the year, which is important to point out yeah but that which would mean and that weekends. <laughs> huh? and on weekends well, and on weekends yeah i mean that that is true but you know you would still have to justify building the infrastructure around half a year use you know i mean okay so yeah you're 100 percent right i'm just saying like i would not consider vina a town that only has half a year use i would say no. it you know what i mean but you know it has all year use on weekends you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, okay, gotcha. The summer is every single day, every single week. You know, that's going to be 
use super useful but right. like it does not matter what weekend you're going out of town there's going to be traffic going yeah. to Vina or Algarrobo or all of those areas okay, in but we're still talking about a very like centrally located no, region you, I no. mean you're totally right you're totally right because if you go up north um, you know like but a passenger miners. train might be actually completely inviolable if be, because but this you is... have the miners in the north I think there's a lot to be said about how I like you could adults. <laughs> thank <laughs> you um, I think there's a lot to be said about like the lifestyle of miners who who have there's a lot of movement for these people who are at the mines for a day and then go home and then this and that and that mm-hmm. and a lot of miners they come back to Chile after shift so they'll be to like Santiago. Oh yeah, to Santiago after shift. Or to wherever they live. Yeah. yeah, and so it's like they're up there for three weeks, and then a lot of them live in Santiago, and they come back and they take planes. So yeah. imagine if they could take the train. Right. Yeah, but the question still is still is still ish. The question still ish. Would it be enough to justify train operation? You right. Know? No, I That's mean I don't thing. know. Because I'm just saying like because let's if you consider... turn in terms of like population density as such, you know, like if you go up north. It's sparsely, sparsely populated. But there's also like the hope, the desire yeah, that it it contributes to um, the decentralization, right? Which is what we talked about yes. earlier. Okay, yeah. So that's point. like, yeah, we're planning on this, but hopefully, because we have these trains, we can now decentralize things um, as well. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but for the status quo right now, you have very sparsely, uh, like very sparsely. Uh, populated areas up there in the north and in terms of cargo might also not be viable because like a lot of the mining companies already have their own ports and railway operations going on there you know so that's also something you have to take into consideration now a lot of articles that i've read they've made the case that it's more viable to expand a cargo train network towards the south as you have a lot more densely populated areas uh, in there such as stalca chian concepcion and even temuco and in terms of passenger trains, some experts argue that it might be more viable to expand mid-range trains like the Biotren in the Concepcion area or the Merval in, in the Valparaiso area and let them slowly grow together uh, as, um, as well as focused on direct long-distance connection between center, centers of high population density, which would allow, for example, highways to be cleared, especially during the weekends, mm-hmm. you know. And this is also why the Santiago Valparaiso train project is so much in favor uh, because 52% of Chile's population, or as you just said, Pinguino 70-something, live in these areas and generate, from what I information gleaned, more than 62% of the GDP. You know, so you want to, those are densely populated areas that you want to have connected mm-hmm. and uh, where it's really worth it. But it might also i mean i know it's not about profitability all the time but you have I to mean, cover the cost of operation and if you have but yeah but covering the cost of operation three people again, living is down not there profit is not the same thing as profitability that's what i'm saying yeah. profitability is a great thing i'm not saying it's a bad thing yeah but yeah i think I mean, you can are, yeah but right re- 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 so i think you understood my point right mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's one thing we don't have the same population density as it is the case, for example, in Europe or in Japan. No, or yeah, the, you're right. Though, again, another point, even though we don't have the population density, we have, because of the density of the... I mean, I don't think this at all, like, goes against what you're saying. I'm just pointing things out. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because we have the densely populated fact, or the fact that all of the businesses are here, as we said before, there are so many people that are traveling from Kyoto, from Vigna, from Limache, from Agaroba, from and it's again still central. So many of those people are going to be wanting to use the train every single day. Mm-hmm. Sell their cars, sell their cars for $5 billion, mm-hmm. and then take the train every yeah. day. But that was the other point that uh, this guy was making, because you're talking about like the central region here. Right. Like Kyoto, Limache, whatever. This is all fifth region. Uh, they say, okay, look, we they're, have They're a, more we focused on like how do we how do we benefit to the, the outer regions. No, 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 but no, but what they're saying is like you got mid-range train networks already, like the Medvile and Valparaiso, which also connects, I think, Limache. I don't know if Limache is in there, but it's like it covers... a big parts of the fifth region there's the biotren down there in concepcion which is also like a sprawl i don't want to say sprawling network but it's a network of train stops it's like it's between long distance and metro if you will you know yeah and then say okay focus on that expand that like connect the region and then basically you have um population centers like santiago uh, Concepcion uh-huh. and then you have like single lines you, you can basically see it's, it's like a network you know you get like networks there that are just like a neural network that sure. are connected um among each other mm-hmm. over long distances you know what i'm saying yeah, so yeah. i think this is like kind of the idea that they were putting forward all right so another challenge here is administration which was really hard to wrap my head around now the afa has been called out for being extremely inefficient because of its complicated structure like the approval process for the AFA takes longer than uh, with other institutions because it has to be re- reviewed by more offices than other state agencies. I do not know why that is. But apparently they have like the special standing and they don't get funds granted as easily as other state offices for some reason. On average, they said it can take more than five years for a project to go from the initial planning to starting works. And look, case in point, it took them 15 years just to come up with a feasibility study of the line connecting Santiago with Batuco, which is now in the works. But they started with this whole thing 15 years ago. And of course, the EFA has been notoriously underfunded, has been for the last 50 years, actually. So much so that it used that it actually issued bonds on the New York Stock Exchange over half a billion dollars and opened a credit line with the World Bank for up to 800 million dollars. Yeah, so like they had to resort to that. Added to that, that in the 2020, in 2020, due to the pandemic, they had a 53% drop in passengers, which translated to a 50, uh, 45% drop in revenue. And to compare, between 1994 and 2019, the Ministry of Public Works uh, funneled more than 18 billion US dollars into the hands of the concessionaries of the urban highways through subsidies to minimize the risk of investment. Remember, those are private companies. Mm -hmm. They're still receiving subsidies on the note of uh, 18 billion US dollars. On the other hand, the EFAA EFAA has only received so far as little, uh, a little more than 2 billion US dollars, like merely 13% of what the highway operators received, which is ridiculous, you know? Right. And added to that, it was only in 2011 when the state uh, started paying EFA subsidies again that they were cut off from in 1980. Now, it, um, like the EFA, what it has to do, it has to go to ask for money for anything it wants to do. And this is after requesting the money to finance its own operations. So they're just like, hey, uh, we kind of need to pay our guys here. Can we have some money? They have to basically go begging for that every time. Sure. It's just not really like they got complicated operations. And of course, they are because of this, because of this dependency on other 
on the political apparatus, so to speak, they are subject to political pressures. Sure. You know, and this has been criticized because in the past, funds that were meant for the development of the cargo train network were redirected to the development of passenger train networks and small time patchwork fixes that have a better look politically and were there, therefore prioritized over tackling larger projects. And this was made uh, possible in part also because the AFA is not only the operator of the railway network, but also the regulator, which clearly, you know, causes a conflict of interest here. Because mm-hmm. they go like, okay, um, how do I put this? Like, it, it's kind of making the, well, we've got a saying in German, you're making the goat the gardener. <laughs> they're basically kind of like, they're what? overseeing, the, it's kind of like if you try to oversee yourself. Oh, 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 yeah. Yeah. Because they're going to be Honor like. Honor system. Yeah, in a way, because they're operating this whole thing, but they're also in charge of the regulation. Sure. So kind of like they 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 kind of tweak the regulation in a way that falls more in line with the way that the operation would look them better. You know, would make them look better. Make them look better. Yeah. So this is kind of how it works. It's so they, this has been a complicated thing to wrap my head around, but which yeah. kind of goes to goes to show that the whole administration thing is yeah, it's a complicated I mean, thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Along with this, of course, there is corruption. Yeah, of course. Of course. Because, Here we go. You know, and not only the AFA, but the sector as a whole, you know, also, you know, which was exemplified uh, by the case of the railroad line between Santiago and Valparaiso, as proposed by the TBS, Tren yeah. Valparaiso Santiago. The original amount budgeted for this project was $1.6 billion. These days, it's around $2.4 billion, you know, but back in 2016. A study commissioned by the AFA came to the conclusion that the total cost would be around $3.1 million. So they knew from the start this was going to be more expensive, but the the private companies were just like, it's just going to be $1.6 billion. And then a couple of years later, they were like, it's kind of double now. That is so, that is very common here. Yeah. And considering the inflation and the current global situation, I wouldn't be surprised if it's going to be a lot more in the end. I mean, that is, I have, um, like I said, I glean things learn things because of um, my job teaching people who work in like in different industries so many projects like the people in chile are like oh it's gonna cost x and then it ends up being double triple quadruple that and that's why there's a lot of like half finished skyscrapers you see here yeah. it's because there's like the, the initial cost oh it's gonna cost this much to i mean there's even more now because of the pandemic but before that yeah there's like the initial estimated cost and then they ended up being like oh no it's this and then whoever had like paid it is like no you're in violation of your contract and then they just sit there half done for mm. like three years and somebody else comes and buys it and so, like, there's a building right across from where me and Mal live that has been under construction for yeah. a million years. Okay, now with this with this project, the TVS, that was actually a um, it's not a state project; it's a private project. It was also, you know, funded from private investment. Sure. So, like, I was, I was I wasn't really clear on why they would like deflate the numbers in the beginning. Because, but I assume that there is a certain state subsidy considered or maybe the company counts on the fact that the government will not government will not leave such a project abandoned when it's halfway through and the costs are going overboard you know so i guess maybe that was the reasoning behind just lowballing this whole project from the get go mm-hmm. you know because you can't tell me that they didn't know it was going to be more i you mean know? you know eh, it's hard to tell you know hard to tell and also coming talking about politics there's a conflict of interest to be addressed since um no yeah, since um, Juan Eduardo Errazuriz is, or should I rather say, was not only the president. Oh, no, hold on. That was, hold on. 
Juan Eduardo Errazuriz is not only the president of Sicto Coppers, which is the company that uh, is behind the DBS project. Okay. You know, or one of the companies. But he's mm -hmm. also the uncle of the now ex-director of the FAA, Pedro Pablo Errazuriz. Pedro Pablo. That mm -hmm. is a name. That's Peter a, Paul. Peter Paul. That was his uncle. And yeah, you can see where there's a conflict I of mean, interest this, there. Again, this is so Chilean. This yeah. is so, this is, uh, um, I, I hope that, I'm hoping that we're turning the corner of this nepotism because yeah. Boric was like, I refuse to hire anybody that I'm related to. Yeah. Well, actually. Which was the, not, it's the first president that's done that. <laughs> so. Right. Actually, the um, end of May, which was actually after I took all these notes, uh, the Pedro Pablo Irasuris was replaced by Eric Martin. Now the, the whole thing has a new president. So there's that. Um, curiously, though, recently the guy Pedro Pablo Irasuris, he has become rather outspoken against this project, the Santiago Valparaiso line. Mm -hmm. I do not know why that would be. Maybe it was because he wanted to distance himself from allegations of corruption. I have no idea because that was a little weird because you actually you could make the argument that he has a stake in this whole thing. But, you know. That's just who knows. That's just me assuming things. I mean, yeah. All right. I'm I'm hoping that like I don't know what else you have. Wait, do you have more? Yeah, I got one more big point. Okay. Which is politics. Jesus. Because the current Chile on Rails project, which is something that uh, Pineda kicked off, is an eight-year plan. Is to get the Carabineros to stop doing rails before. No. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. I was like, we've been saying rails too many times for me not to make a cocaine joke. <laughs> All right. So it's an it's an eight year plan. So that means that uh, at least two, if not three governments have to keep their shit together, plan long term and don't give in under political pressure, which might not be easy because the oh, expansion no. of the railroad network has been under fire by the powerful, powerful truck, truck drivers union. But, but didn't you say that Pineda was one of the first people to like be really behind uh, rail like certain rails and getting the um the private companies to invest in a railway system oh, oh yeah 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 but still but, oh, yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. what i'm saying is just like this is a long-term thing yeah and different political sectors have to basically um s support this whole thing yeah i guess that was just put like putting that out there to say like we have both right-wing and left-wing politicians who are very important in chile that are already both in support of this so maybe that if we have, you know, we go from left to right to left to right, the way maybe our next president will be right wing, maybe, I don't know, mm -hmm. um, that this will be continue to move along. Because honestly, I think everybody, everybody's tired of the fucking trucker shit. Like, yeah. I really think people are like, I'm tired of your shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's too much. And that's what I'm saying. This is not going to be easy because probably for as long as this project is still under development, it's going to be under fire from the truck drivers union, you know. And their president, Sergio Perez, said that the development of the railroad is, and I quote, unfair competition financed with unfair the taxpayers' money. Aren't they super and, behind free market? And that they okay. don't want privileged treatment, just uh, an even playing field, which is extremely which is cynical because... They would have an even playing field, but they they would they would only get thirty like like you said earlier yeah. they would only get thirty percent of of the products taken from them. So it's not even an even playing field. It's uh, like I don't know about thirty percent, thirty percent. Didn't but, you say okay. that like thirty percent you could transport thirty ah, percent yeah. more product than what is being transported normally now? Yeah, you would reduce this by thirty percent, but like this doesn't mean well. Oh god, yeah, I'm gonna have. Yeah, but I feel. 
I guess my interpretation of that, maybe that's wrong, is that you would still need the truckers very yeah, much. Yeah, I mean, you will still need the truckers for the last mile at least, you know. You yeah. can say, okay, let's focus on long distance by train and then basically mid-distance you can... We're talking about these intermodal stations sure. where you would basically transfer the goods from trains to trucks. But, of course, the truckers will lose importance in the scope of things. And this is why he's being basically... Yeah, well, you you don't get you don't get essential political power as a trucker. That's called what you do as a politician. Like, well, they have it right now. And that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. it, you, of, but, they, but they his argument his argument is not no. about political power. His argument is about is about like how useful they are, and they're going to lose their jobs or well, whatever. No, his argument is actually, and this is the funny thing about it, is his argument is that like, we want an even playing field. You know, it was like we don't want to be privileged in something like that, which is extremely right. cynical because you got to consider the tax breaks that the truck drivers have been enjoying since the Pinochet regime. Okay, let me just do a little me, dive. Because, me and the truckers, we're going to brawl. First, besides the... Okay, you got to understand for that, that first, besides the tax, sales tax, there's also a fuel tax on gasoline and diesel, right? Sure. Now, the sales tax is the same, 90%, um, and the fuel tax on gasoline is 6 UTM uh, per cubic meter and only 1.5 UTM... cubic meter? Yeah, and only 1.5 UTM, so just a fourth per cubic meter on uh, diesel. So, which means that, um, yeah, which means that diesel is just Math. only a fourth of the uh, the tax on diesel is only a fourth womp, of womp, the tax womp, on regular womp, gasoline, womp. which is extremely low compared to, to to the OECD average. This, of course, benefits the truck driver since most, if not all, trucks are diesel powered. Now, but wait, there's more. But wait, be there's more. Because, if you buy a Swiffer. Because at the end of the day, they get 80% of this fuel tax reimbursed. In effect, this means that as far as the fuel tax is concerned, truck drivers only pay 5% in taxes of what regular Joe pays. Study from 2018 showed the total of these reimbursements are about 18, $80 million per year, which is, if you want a comparison, twice the Taylor Dongol in 2021. And there's also like a less obvious subsidy resulting from this imbalance in some of the operational costs because one of the biggest line items are the highway tolls, of course, you know, right. what they have to pay. And while the costs for the highway maintenance is call, uh, caused by trucks are about 90 times higher, 90, oh, than, than costs by uh, cost by a regular car, the tolls for a truck, of course, are not 90 times higher than those for a regular car. Sure. You know, they don't have to pay 90 times more. Um, the truckers or the trucking companies yeah exactly so you could make the argument that we're all subsidizing the trucks by paying and for a nice chunk of damage that the trucks cost in the first place you know yeah. so there's that so basically Gosh darn it you truck drivers right so and here's the thing i want anyone listening from the u.s to realize i'm not anti-truck drivers mm -hmm. as a concept um my my best friends are truck drivers no <laughs> um no, like, I understand, like, truck drivers in, like, the U.S. and other countries is a completely different story. I understand. And actually, in the U.S., it's a completely different story where truck drivers need to be making more money than what they're making. So I just want to make it clear that this is a case of Chile. If you are a truck driver, we're not, and you're from the U.S. or whatever, or even just from Chile. Like, you can be a truck driver and be, like, a total innocent person being like, I'm just trying to do my job, bro. I'm not trying to be an asshole. Hey, like, that's great. Um, and I Actually, we shouldn't be clumping all hashtag not all truck drivers together. But there is yeah. a problem with this um, industry. So, yeah. There's yeah. That. Yeah. No, but I mean, it was just very cynical, the argument that he was making about I want a level playing field. I don't want, like, you know, things to be I, – I don't want to be 
competing with a privileged uh, train industry. He was like, buddy, you're paying a lot less on tax. You get reimbursement. You get tax breaks. Like you pay proportionally less on highway tolls. Like what more privileges do you want? Like we should actually be taking away this away from you. If you want a level playing field, you need to give up those tax breaks. So there's that. And of course, trucks won't disappear from the supply chain because um, while the train is more profitable for long distances, trucks are still needed for mid-range distance transports and the last mile. Which is why in the planning of the new railroad expansion, there has been a special emphasis on what I said, uh, intermodal stations, meaning hubs where the cargo can be easily transferred from boat to train or from train to truck. Some argue that we might even need more trucks because the train will be able to move more cargo. Hence, there will be a lot more um, there. Uh, we, we will depend a lot more, a lot more on trucks to distribute their respective uh, routes. You know, which mm, I don't really understand that. No, some argue that we might even need more trucks because uh, the train will be able to move more cargo. Oh, you know? oh, 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 oh. So and once it arrives more, at its destination, we need more trucks to distribute right, this whole thing on the respective routes. But I don't think hash, that's a good like, argument. Quote unquote trucks, we might need, but we might not necessarily. They won't have the same power because it's not. It's like okay, so let's say this train arrives in, I don't know, Lampa, right? Which it won't, but like it arrives in Lampa. <laughs> never. Lampa's okay. never going to get a train. So, Sorry, Lampa. Um, a, a truck driver goes to the train station to pick up more supplies than maybe it would have originally. But ex, ex, but that train, or sorry, that truck is not going to have the power to cut off a highway. So maybe we need more trucks, more workers mm -hmm. driving trucks, but it won't be like the same Yeah, it doesn't power hold the structure. same political power, right, right, right. but okay, like okay. they're trying to ask watch like the, the fears that they have. Uh, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're not going to disappear. We're going to might even need yeah, more you of might you. Need more truckers. Personally, I don't think that's a good argument because it assumes that it will be also accompanied by immediate economic growth, you know? So it's kind of like, yeah, I don't think we need more truckers, but we will find a place for you. That is true. And also, let's not forget about the long-distance bus companies like Turbus and the highway concessionaries who also have skin in the game. So that, oh, the, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, fighting against that. And we'll bring all of those updates to you right. as so, it develops. Bottom line here, we talked about the reasons why we need a train. We talked about the challenges. So bottom line will be, yes, we do need trains, but we need to be smart about it. We possibly need to prioritize the cargo network so that the passenger network doesn't depend that much on subsidies. But be prepared for this to be something that will a red budget item and not a black one. Right. And to minimize that, uh, to minimize that effect, make use of the current infrastructure, focus on high population density areas for the expansion of the mid-range networks and focus on interconnectivity with other means of transport, but also across large distances in order to connect the metropolitan areas with each other. Lastly, the politics needs to get the shit together, even draw up a body of legislature that clearly defines purpose and goal the national of the National Railroad Network so that administrative processes are simplified and more streamlined and better funded. Look at Thank you. Thank you for my TED. This was my TED talk. Thank Welcome you for to my TED talk. I mean, really, yeah. that's I, honestly <sighs> like I know that that was a lot of information, but. So dang dang Lenny thank you so much for bringing all of that information and consolidating it because it doesn't we're doing this in English but there, you can't find all of that consolidation no, in, Spanish in Spanish either <laughs> so like I have to say you should totally join our Patreon because okay, we do a lot of work especially Lenny the nerd himself like does you know a I've lot of work on that <laughs> a lot of a lot of work on that on that um the political pool and that's you know so if you want to support him um then you should join our Patreon. Also, you'll just get lots of benefits too. 
And we also have one more event before we leave that we needed to talk about that we forgot to talk about. Yes, sir. There's actually um, the Chili Today podcast and the Chistolas are hosting a brunch. It's going to be at the Black Rock, and they're going to have a special brunch menu. It's going to be on July 16th. And the idea is just to get a lot of people together who just, like, want to hang out real casual-like and brunch it up. Yep. And we'll bring you more information as that yeah. develops for as far as time and then the menu. Right. And I think the root idea of this whole thing, I mean, we discussed this internally before. It was if you were new to this country and you want to meet people who have been around. Uh-huh. Around <laughs> the town. Know stuff. Hey, that's that's why we're making this thing. That's why we're hosting this thing. Like, come yeah. here, ask us questions, ask us anything. You want to know about Chile. Do you have uh, suggestions for podcast episodes? Do you want to do stand-up comedy? Do you want to figure out... Uh, like, do you want to practice your English? Like, do you want to practice your Spanish? Like, any of those kinds of things, we're open. If it's not your vibe, like, get a drink and then leave. Like, it's not, it's really low pressure. So, we hope to see you there. That's going to be mid-July. And, and yeah. And uh, check out all our other events we already mentioned. They'll be on our um, page. And anything else? No. Okay, well, thank you guys for listening. And when in doubt, great go out. The Chile Today podcast is hosted by Leonard Kluge and Bethany Francis and produced by Diego Pinguino Rivera. For more information on the news topics you heard today, check out chiletoday.cl.